0: Welcome to this Thursday evening meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith, Yorkshire. This evening's message is by Paul Abel. Good evening, everybody. Praise God. I'm not going to say very much this evening, but I'm famous for saying that. And then <laughs> I don't think I'm saying very much. <laughs> Here we are in Ephesians 1 and 2. think we've been there, I don't know, since September haven't we? As chapter 3 opens which we haven't got to on Sunday mornings yet, Paul says, for this reason I, Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. So it's a strange question, because he's saying, surely you've heard, but he's just been telling them. <laughs> um, in reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as has, been made, as has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery. So this is the mystery that if you take... Oh, no, that's the Gospels, so that doesn't really count. wasn't fully revealed in the Gospels, but maybe in Acts. There we go. If we take that part of the Bible, this mystery was not revealed. I mean, they thought they knew everything about God, but they clearly didn't because there was a mystery yet to be revealed. And then this bit, in this edition anyway, no, that's a concordance as well, that's too much. Not that much. Not much, is it? (laughs) It's when the mystery is revealed. So we are, I suppose what I'm trying to get at, is what an incredible privilege to be in this generation. You think of all the people pre-Christ. Christ. I mean, not just the Jews, but then the whole world. Nobody knew this mystery. It was to be revealed. Often God has timing in things. Why didn't he reveal it before? I don't know. (laughs) But this was his timing. I can speculate. I imagine it was something to do that the full revelation of what it is to follow God not by grace before people could learn to follow God by grace. Because you know what human beings are like? We like to sort it. We like to do it. We like to make it happen. The idea that anything that is going to produce lasting fruit can only come from God is not what we like to think of. We like to make something of ourselves. It's what we're taught. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can be whatever you want to be. And yet, Jesus said, I can do nothing apart from the Father. And he was the Son of God. <laughs> In human form, he was God, Yahweh, walking here on, on this planet. And he still said, I can do nothing apart from God, apart from the Father. Incredible, isn't it? Why do we think we can do something apart from God when he couldn't? I mean, the reality is, of course, he could have done It was a choice. When he said, I can do nothing, he meant I can do nothing because I choose to do nothing. If I do anything, this whole work of restoration is destroyed because he'd have been working in independence and following his own will like the rest of humankind. And he was in complete submission to God the Father in his human body. incredible isn't it and yet even he did not reveal this mystery well he didn't reveal it directly he was revealing it by things like talking to the lady and saying well I can't give you the food because you're not part of this chosen generation and she says well even the puppies get the scraps it's the odd breakthrough they're the, the working with the centurion but the fullness of what it was going to mean was left to give to the church. Isn't it amazing how much God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit trusts his church, his body, the fullness of Christ as it says here. That he would choose to allow that <clears throat> those early apostles and prophets as Paul has just written to bring this mystery to light. And we see it in Acts, it starts to appear. Peter, being told to go and see Cornelius, the Gentile. The shock that was to him. You know, he'd been with Jesus. And yet, it's still a shock to him when... He's spoken to by God. He's given this wonderful vision of all the unclean food. And God says to him, it's not up to you, Peter, to declare what is clean and unclean. That's not your decision. Why isn't it? Because it's not for mankind. It's not for human beings. It's not for us to judge other humans. We don't know what's going on in their mind, in their will, in their emotions, in their spirit. All we can see is partially what is in front of us. So we can never judge in the sense of deciding whether they're in or out, or in any way, really. Well, that's a brilliant thing, because it reminds us that nobody can judge us. And when we get misunderstood or accused, it's nothing, because one person understands us perfectly. And that really is the only opinion that counts. But God chose us to live at a time when the mystery would be made known so that we could make that mystery known. And Paul reminds them again here what that mystery is. The mystery is that through the gospel... The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. How amazing was that at that time for those Jews, because most of the church were Jews, to break out of hundreds of years of what they'd understood in Jesus, but then to treat those who hadn't been Jews, who couldn't trace their generations back to Abraham, To say we're now equal with you. We are one in Christ. And this is the answer to all strife, all warfare, all disruption in the world. If if the people of God could realise that they are one in Christ. And the incredible wisdom in the early church. I mean there was some debate obviously. We know that because the Bible actually tells us. It doesn't hide anything. There was some debate about what restrictions needed to be placed on the Gentiles. Well, of course they've got to be circumcised. Of course they've got to go to the temples. Of course they've got to look like Jews. But they realised that that was not what God was saying. Who was the greatest missionary ever? If a missionary is someone who's sent to a foreign culture. It must be Jesus. Sent by the Father to this earth. He came from heaven. What a challenging culture to become part of. That Jewish culture. And then, maybe it could be not Jesus, but maybe it's the Holy Spirit who was then sent to come upon all the church from heaven And live with us in all the different circumstances that we've got. But the mystery is one in Christ. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is diversity. You see, the genius of God is that if you want to go and read the original New Testament, you can't. Because Jesus would have spoke Aramaic. So even if you can read Biblical Greek, you're not reading an account of what actually happened in the language most of it was being spoken on. Now Jesus would have been able to speak Greek and probably did use Greek and Hebrew. But it certainly wasn't all in Greek. For absolute surety. So even at the beginning, the New Testament, the change is connecting with that culture that needs it. For until the 19th century, it was thought that the Greek that was used in the New Testament was a special spiritual Greek because it didn't quite exist in the, in the Greek that was in existence or even ancient Greek. It's different. There are differences. And it wasn't until the 19th century that using archaeological evidence and deduction and that it was finally realized that the Greek it was written in, the reason there wasn't much written in that was it was the common tongue. It was the language of the streets. Because there were, and it shows you that what language it's in, what edition is in, is not important. What's important is that it's accurate to the heart of God, that it's a communication of his heart to us. Because the mystery is that we're one in Christ, but we're not uniform. Unity doesn't come making us all identical. The important thing is we can stand together in the diversity of our family, even in this town, even when we disagree. Because if we can't stand with people who we disagree with, we'll find that we're all on our own. And even then you might have a problem. Ever changed your mind? said you aren't even in unity with yourself. If it's about being uniform, there is diversity. But the one key thing is that we are made one in Christ. Here, Paul has been writing that the mystery is the bringing together of two completely opposed people groups. The Gentiles were so far removed from what it was to be a Jew, it was difficult to imagine them being together. The Jews didn't even associate with the Gentiles. The the Jews believed that spending time with them would make them unclean. And the Gentiles would have a similarly racist view of the dirty Jews. Each one fearing that they were superior to the other. And then God says, but actually, that wall of division is being broken down because the mystery is that you're all one family. Because we are. We're all God's creations. And Christianity is unique in world religions in that it is supposed to change for every culture. Not the core message of, obviously, one new man, salvation in Christ. That's not to change. But the way it's presented and the way it's communicated, the way it's spoken. You see, the Quran is supposed to be only in Arabic. And uh, uh, Islamic scholars will tell you that a translation of the Quran into English or any other language can never express what is in the Arabic, because the Arabic is the spiritual language. It's restricted, in essence, to one culture. Now, there is some diversity, but in essence, it's all back to speaking in Arabic. The other huge thing is that, as Paul is revealing here, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise of Christ. This reconciliation that we've been talking about, this ministry of and peace, here you see the one other thing that is different to following Jesus to every other way of religious thought. Because in Christianity, it's all about relationships. I mean, the core of it is God calling people back into relationship with himself. And it actually takes all of that revelation of the Old Testament to get to this point where we could even begin to understand that. It would have gone over our heads. If it was true that it could have been anywhere different, Jesus would have come three days after Adam and Eve had left the garden. But it wouldn't have worked. Because they wouldn't have understood and sometimes the reality of living in this fallen world has taught us of our need for God. and she's why there is suffering and why there is trouble. Because we, it, that's what we get without God. And because we live in a world that has it, even those of us with God can be affected by trouble. It says that all of creation is groaning, longing for the redemption of humankind. Because it's not just that we affect one another. We actually affect all of creation. In Islam, Muhammad came as the messenger from God. God himself couldn't come. Allah. Because Allah, which is just the Arabic word for God, is sort of remote, pure, separate. He could not possibly come and walk on the earth. It would be a complete denial of who this separate, perfect being is. So he sent a messenger, Muhammad. That's what their statement of faith talks about. But do you see the difference? Jesus didn't come as a messenger. He came as one of the family. He came as God himself. Father, Son, relationship there at the core. What did he come for? Not to bring God's message of fear God or submit to God. Islam means submit. Sometimes you will have heard it say it means peace. Well, it means peace in the sense that if you submit completely, you will be at peace. But Jesus didn't come to give a peace that says submit. Jesus came to give you the peace that restores you to wholeness. Now, he does call us to walk in obedience. But that's only so we can enjoy the relationship. The concept of a relationship with God does not exist in anything else. In Buddhism, well, there's no God in Buddhism. But the the idea of Buddhism is is to completely be detached from yourself. It's kind of to seek the emptiness. In Hinduism, the ultimate state of God, the Brahim, is... Is that he is completely unknowable. I mean you'll think of Islam, not sorry, you'll think of Hinduism and all the different gods, Ganesh and all all the stories. They're the lower gods. They tell you something of what God is like. But even Hinduism, interestingly, you think of it as a multi god thing. At its core, Hinduism is a is a monotheistic religion in a sense, because there's one God over. But to know, the higher God is completely unknowable. I can't remember the actual Sanskrit word, but the word used to describe him, um, it means that he's completely unknowable. And if you felt you could know him, it's all an illusion. Anything in which you think you know is an illusion. There is no connection. Because like Allah, God is completely perfect and remote. could never connect with human beings. And yet in Christianity, he's so pure and holy, he gets stripped naked and hung on a cross. <clears throat> he will cross that barrier to come. And you, I don't know about you, but I begin to see how no barrier that we might feel with people around us is anything like what Jesus has crossed. And you begin to see how fundamentally at the heart of God's message is for people to be reconciled with each other and with God isn't it incredible it's not there in anything else you've probably learnt more about other religions tonight than. <laughs> but we should know we live in a pluralistic society there's lots of beliefs out there you know, I, I want to know why, why, people are, why someone is an atheist what is it they really believe and the answer is, all sorts of things. Anyway, the mystery is that through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came, walked on this earth, died through crucifixion, was resurrected from the dead, and is ascended and sat at the right hand of the Father, so that we could be redeemed... In other words, that's so that we could be restored into relationship with God, an intimate relationship, through the Holy Spirit, the high, the breath of God. The same breath that breathed into Adam and brought him to life in the first place, in the story of Genesis. The same Holy Spirit that was hovering over the waters in Genesis, bringing all of life. Because the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit were all together in creation, One God, but the three persons of God. They were all there. But God has always been a sending God. God the Father sent the Son into the world to come and rescue his people. And the Father sends the Holy Spirit onto his people to empower them to live this new life that's been won for them. And then God sends the people. Just like here, Paul in this whole talk is talking about how he has been sent to the Gentiles. And we are sent now the people of Scarborough, or wherever we find ourselves, led by the Spirit in the future. You're called, as Paul said, you're chosen. So tonight, I don't know how God will take us, I'll leave the microphone here most of the time so that if you've got something to pray, share, you've seen something, just, just come and do it. Um, if we're still in worship, try not to preach, just speak what God has given you. Sometimes we feel we have to explain, but often we just have to give. You know, and that, that's far more powerful. It stops us getting in the way. I can do nothing apart from the Father. We have to trust that the Holy Spirit will enlighten if there needs to be the people listening and that they will get it that way. But that's just a practical thing. But I feel tonight is this prayer, is this, even if it's just in the seeking of God and there ends up no actual praying out, is to seek, to see this reconciliation, this one new man in Christ, Jew and Gentile, but therefore everyone, Arab Jew and Gentile, because Arabs are just another form of Gentile, united in Christ. But if if that's our message, and it is our message, that mystery of Christ, that now we can all be one. If that's our message, then the messenger must be living that message. Because it's not just a message, it's a way of life. When we look at Jesus, we see that what, what he did was demonstrate the heart of what God was like. So he came and he crossed every barrier. He stepped into another culture. He submitted to the human way of living. He had a father and a mother. He was brought up as a child. All so that he could show people the way to God. But actually, that's the call on all of us. That we're not just to give a message, but to actually show by our lives. Which is why this message of peace, of reconciliation, is so key. So important and so difficult. You know, there's so many things that can divert us off this path. Isn't there? Hallelujah. But God's plan is one new person. I don't, a lot of people feel that all the different denominations and church groups in the world are a sad failure of the church. I'm not so sure. Because I don't think God wanted one universal church that was all the same. Ever. He has one universal church of people who believe in him. But we were always supposed to be different. I'm not saying that every breakaway group is doing the right thing right thing. But God has always wanted diversity. He knows that different people respond in different ways, understand in different ways. We need the different ways of encountering God. And I think perhaps in this day and age we're beginning to learn not to just throw everything out because it belonged to something else, but to value what God has done in different generations and through different traditions. Tradition is only wrong when it quenches the spirit. If our tradition is that we teach our children to grow up and believe in Jesus Christ, that's a good tradition. Traditions usually mean things that we do. There's nothing wrong with things that we do unless it kills the life of God. Well, we can't do that because we, then it's trouble. We can't do, we can't, whatever it is. Whenever you hear we can't because somebody wants to change something, It's always, is that we can't because it's unscriptural or we can't because we've always done it that other way. And we have to have the wisdom to discern the difference between the two. I think in the coming years in Christ we'll see many differences. We'll do many things in different ways. Because God is always eternally doing different things and creating things. He stays the same. But we're always appreciating more of who he is. I mean, you have that wonderful contradiction in the Bible. I am the Lord God, I do not change. And you also have, see, I'm doing a new thing. It's new to us. It's not to him. So let's really, as we worship and encounter Jesus, be aware of this mystery The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. In this town, every person, the mystery is that we can be one in Christ. Every Jew, every Muslim, every Hindu, every Buddhist, every atheist every Christian, every traditionalist, every member of the Baha'i faith, whatever it is, in Christ, the mystery is we can be completely united, but we will never be the same. Otherwise God would have just made us a lot the same. Look at the diversity in just this small group. It's amazing, isn't it? God, God is so incredible. And we live in such an incredible time. I know it's 2,000 years, so you could say, well, it's quite a long time, really, Paul. But we live in this time of knowing the mystery. All these guys, all these women, all these people, they never knew where it was going. Their faith in God was much more, I've just got to trust him. I don't understand what he's doing or where he's going, but I've just got to trust him. And yet we have this revelation. This is where they were going. Isaiah prophesying of the Virgin Mary, as we'll hear a lot probably at Christmas time. I don't think he fully understood. He was seeing a glimpse of something that was to come. But we don't see it as a glimpse. We look back on it in reality. And so, inspired by Jesus, inspired by a Father who sends, inspired by the Holy Spirit who empowers us to be that sent people, we're going to come before God and call on him, by which I mean as we worship, to see that move of God here. It's got to start amongst the messengers themselves, the people that have already... Know God. So that's why it's such an important message for us as a church. And probably why we'll find things that would make us back away from it. Because the enemy knows it's dangerous too. Are people united in diversity? You're not going to stop them. It's got to start with the church. It's got to start... I say star, it doesn't mean all these things can't be happening at the same time. It's got to be in the church of the town, and the church in the nation, that Anglicans learn to live with kingdom faiths, and Catholics, and Pentecostals, and all the things, even when there's things in their traditions that we would say, I really can't accept that, but we can see, but God does work in that denomination, So, how can I say I'm not going to have anything to do with them when God is obviously having something to do with them? We know that in all the churches in all the world there'll be people that don't yet know Jesus. So, in that sense, we can't be united with them. But we don't actually know who they are. We don't know who here is saved, really. We can think they are, we never know. so it's praying for that the church the church all the, all of the church but then of course it becomes that the church of course is the sent people and what are we sent with this gospel in order to bring reconciliation between people and god so very often when we worship there can be a, I'm worshipping to get something from god I'm worshipping to for me to get something Why don't we worship tonight to honour God, to worship God, but to see something released in others. To intercede for these people, whom God has called to be part of the one. And also to intercede for the church, that we would not allow our differences to bring angry division. Even if it's something fundamental we can't agree on. We've got to look past. We don't need to change what we believe. And we don't need to change what they believe. Because that's up to God. And then we might find he's changed us. If they ask an opinion or we have conversations, of course we will say. But we haven't got to do the change. It's God that changes people. It's God that brings people to a point of conviction to change. Whether it's to get saved in the first place or whether it's when they're saved, God does something. We know from even our experience as Christians that you can be a Christian for quite some time and then God brings a moment of conviction and something changes. But God didn't refuse to have anything to do with you whilst you were still walking either with sin or something wrong. We've had revelation on what God means that's changed some of the ways we look at things. But before we changed, God was still with us. So why do we think he treats anyone else any different? So we're praying, worshipping for others. It's kind of that standing in the gap. It's, It's an intercessory worship. It's like you've got a hand in heaven and a hand on the earth and you're bringing heaven on earth it's actually your kingdom come your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven that's what it is but it's in his presence so let's have the worship team forward I did talk for longer than I expected I didn't have anything (laughs) all I had was that verse verse Six. Mystery. And, I, and when God gave God did give it to me earlier tonight. I don't know what to say from that. <laughs> so praise God. Let's stand, shall we? Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.